many times am I going to start a Rampage review with, it's been a long week, and I'm tired, and I don't have a co-host, this can only go well. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spass Phoenix, the YWC Rally Check, here with your October 15th, 2021 Rampage and the buy-in for reasons review. Um, I haven't talked to you guys in a minute, I don't think. Um, we didn't have a, a Dynamite on Wednesday, so it wasn't Wednesday. I am not reviewing NXT at the moment, so it wasn't on Tuesday. Haven't had uh, Guapo on here to do any extra stuff, uh, so it wasn't that. Uh, we hopefully have some Flix Fix stuff coming this weekend, uh, so that should be good. And, whisper it, our buddy, our pal, Jake DeMarco, made his triumphant return on the Joe Cronin Show to Out of Nowhere, so hopefully... I will have him on here with me next week talking about not only Halloween Havoc, but hopefully Crown Jewel as well. I will uh, we'll have a lot of fun talking about Crown Jewel, because Crown Jewel is always a fun topic, isn't it? And we can finally unload with both barrels on this new, you know, Fireworks and Rainbows NXT, which I both love and hate, I've decided. So, um, it's going to be good to get Jake back. Um... Guapo's as tired as me and not answering his phone, so I don't think he's joining us tonight. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this long-ass rampage that we got. And what happened? What happened? AEW is not trying to compete with WWE, right? And here's the thing. I'm saying this as an AEW fan. I'm saying this as the guy that's come up to you a lot recently saying... WWE is a dumpster fire. I mean, it's an entertaining dumpster fire every now and then, but it is an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, it should speak volumes. Go back two months ago, three months ago, four months ago. This channel was the NXT channel. When was the last time? I mean, granted, A, I've got the running joke now that I'm holding NXT reviews hostage until I get Jake back. That's a thing. But also, I just I just haven't reviewed it. Like, I would, I would throw that joke in the trash if there was something really, really driving me to talk about NXT. Um, so I'm saying this as an AEW fan, but the whole idea that AEW isn't trying to stick it to WWE. Let's see. They started out on a Wednesday because WWE's most popular show at the time, before it went weird, was on Wednesday. They put it on Wednesday initially because the... Um, NXT was like the most drawing thing on the WWE Network. Then they got pissed off and their fans got pissed off when they decided to move to TV and they made this really weird argument that, oh, eight, or, uh, NXT moved to Wednesday to fuck with Dynamite when NXT had been on Wednesdays since like, what, 2015, 2016, something like that? So now... They throw Rampage. I'm not. I'm not going to talk about the YouTube shows because I can't even make that argument as a joke. Uh, but they throw Rampage on Friday. It's fine. It's it's a it's a cool little three hours of wrestling for me as somebody who does still watch SmackDown. SmackDown, the new best show in WWE. Uh, not really saying much. I know. So again, uh, much like Wednesdays used to be, watch NXT, review NXT watch Dynamite afterwards. Now it's come home, watch SmackDown, watch Rampage right after, even though I have to stream it because TSN sucks, and then do my review. So everything's all nice and neat and wonderful and tidy. But SmackDown dared. They dared step out of their zone, according to AEW and the AEW fans. They decided to have an overrun for one night. So what do they do? They expand their show the other way by an hour. 
oh, it's on YouTube. It's the same show. The people that bought tickets to that Rampage were there for the whole two hours. Don't even do it. It's the pre-show for a pay-per-view argument. So, I'll be honest with you guys. What I did tonight, I didn't even bother watching SmackDown because I wasn't going to be coming up here to talk about SmackDown. I enjoy SmackDown. When the rosters take place next week, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, I came home after a long ass day at work that ran me about eleven and a half hours. Hence me being very very tired. Uh, caught up on Impact from last night. Um, I do have to say. Really, really cool to see the former Iconics, now the Inspiration, are immediately going after DK and the Impact Women's, or sorry, Knockouts Tag Team Titles. So I love the Iconics. I think it's cool that they're going to Impact in general, and immediately they're going for the titles held by the group that I like a lot in Impact. And also we're getting Christian Cage versus Josh Alexander. That's a preview that I'm going to get to when it's appropriate. Um, but I just, I watched that, and then I went right into the... Uh, the buy-in or the kickoff because weekly shows have kickoffs now and I just went right through and right through and right through and here I am to talk to you guys and afterwards it's already I, I, I will break it to you right now it is already stupid o'clock I haven't slept since about 630 this morning and it's yeah a long way away from that I'm gonna be watching Smackdown after I'm done this because I'm not right in the head but if they decide if both sides decide to be petty, and Rampage has a kickoff every week, and SmackDown decides to have an overrun every week, and we get the Friday Night Wars, it's not gonna go down the same as Wednesdays, is it? I and I'm not, and again, I'm not saying that as a dig at AEW Rampage. I like the tiny little bite-sized morsel of wrestling that we get on Friday from Rampage. Nice, tight, concise only three matches unless you've got a Jade Cargill squash match in there which makes it four okay yay good for you you're tall and you're getting a push awesome um, Rampage is great um, they're struggling in, in a in a spot there it's, it's 10 o'clock on a Friday at a time where the world is actually opening up again and people that are going out to do stuff are actually able to go out and do stuff again I don't think that this is a war they're going to win Smackdown it, it, it doesn't suffer from the same problem as as NXT did. NXT was sort of pigeonholed as the developmental brand, and in its, in its infancy, it only existed on the WWE Network, so people that didn't care about it weren't going to get the network to care about it. They didn't have the inbuilt... Um, not motivation, motivation is the wrong word, investment in it when it came to TV. That didn't quite carry over, but the takeovers were good, etc., etc., etc. SmackDown has been around a long time, and SmackDown is proving itself to be better than Raw, Raw being the flagship show, all that kind of thing. All this stuff that we've gotten from Tony Khan this week. And yes, sling arrows both ways. Sling arrows between the companies, sling arrows between the fans, as long as you're allowing equality of arrows both ways, because, you know, some fans don't. Anyways, Tony Khan talking about how he can't wait to take down WWE's A-plus show. The match that would have done that was on YouTube. I, I, I don't know. It's weird. It's strange. Uh, I'm not going to find the right words for it, uh, because I am tired, so I'm sorry for that. But... It's a very interesting thing, and for both parties, WWE and AEW, 
Friday is the kickoff to the weekend, so making Friday your battleground is really tenuous. It would be like both companies having a pay-per-view on a Saturday. You're both going to do better numbers, no matter which way you pull the fans on a Sunday than a Saturday, just by the virtue of how weekends work. And yes, I know there are part-time workers out there for whom an evening or a weekend don't mean anything. No disrespect to you, but the rest of the world operates on an evenings and weekends recreational basis. So... It'll be really interesting, it'll be really entertaining, but Tony Khan popping off at the mouth this time in particular was really, really interesting. But that does not mean that they didn't come out swinging with both barrels, and by both barrels I mean one barrel on YouTube and one barrel on, on TNT. So let's talk about the buy-in first, which is really just the first hour of Rampage, let's be real. First match was Tanera Conte versus, or sorry, it's Tay Conte now, isn't it? I've seen, you see, NXT, it's fine. Tay Conte versus Santana Garrett. Now, apparently, listening to podcasts earlier today, apparently this was like a deep cut to them having one match on NXT that was like universally slated, like nobody liked either one of them. They thought the match was crap and whatever, and they were coming in with something to with something to prove. And I'm okay with that if that's a story because it's like, hey, back then we were here, now we're here, let's show the world. That's an awesome story. But, and I'm going to say this a lot this evening, there's a lot of matches on here where it's not two people. I mean, when we get to Danielson and Suzuki, that's quite different. But there's a lot of matches on here that are just like, here's the person we want you to look at and here's the other person that's in the ring with them. And that's fine, but it's going to make me sound like a dick as I go through this review. Santana Garrett, unfortunately, is quite good. She's apparently been wrestling a long time. I know I've seen a bunch of her, and every time that somebody brings up Santana Garrett or tells me, hey, Santana Garrett is going to NXT, or Santana Garrett might go to the main roster, or Santana Garrett has now moved to AEW, I, I, all I can think of is I know I've seen her, and that's about it. She's very competent in the ring, like I say. Very good other body in the ring. She's the backup singer of wrestling. And those are important. And I, I, I don't say any of that with a negative context. But the focus on this is Tanera Conte. Tanera Conte is... I don't want to say... She, she's not a main eventer. She's not going to carry the division on her back right now. But she's got a, a thing going for her. She's got such a following. She's got... I'd compare her to a Liv Morgan a little bit. Liv Morgan, not nearly where she needs to be on SmackDown, but the crowd loves her. And she's got an endearing quality to her that draws the fans in. Tanera Conte is the, sorry, Tay Conte is the same thing. Her energy when she gets in the ring, it's, it's kind and tough at the same time. It's the kindness that's going to bring in, obviously, the fans' investment because she's in there. She's in there with her friend, Anna Jay, which is always always a cool thing because the uh, chemistry between the two of them is awesome. We need to get away from the uh, rivalry between them and Penelope Ford and the Bunny. We don't need to talk about that. We can talk about that later. But she's so... Like I say, she's so endearing to the crowd, and she's so happy to be where she is. I'm going to say the same thing when we get to Ruby Soho later. She's so happy to be where she is, and she's got this, I know I'm better than I was yesterday, and I know I'm better than I was the day before. Let me show you how good I am today. I don't know what you would you would call that. It's like, I'm not at the top of the ladder, but I'm ten rungs above where I was last week. 
and there's so much of that in her matches and I don't know what to call it per se but it's 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 entrancing and when you start talking about the, uh, having a mid-card title like the TBS title and yes as people have pointed out to me the TBS logo looks like it says hose so the hose title for the women is a little bit problematic they might want to look at that but you gotta put somebody like Tay Conte even as the sentimental favorite uh, to be not necessarily a long-standing TBS champion, but maybe like an inaugural champion, I think it'd be really, really good. Uh, I will say Santana Garrett did one thing in this match that popped out and made it not completely about Tanera Conte, Tay Conte, sorry. Uh, she popped out the last Chancery, and the last person I saw using the last Chancery was Austin Aries, and that was before I realized that Austin Aries was fucking insane. So seeing her use the last Chancery was cool, but. Uh, Bicycle kick from Tay Conte, followed by three Haluva kick. Why are we dinging? Why is this a thing? See, there we go. There's Guapo telling me that he's not going to be my co-host tonight. Awesome. Um, bicycle kick, three Haluva kicks from different directions, and an arm trap DDT, which is apparently called the DDT, because they put a lot of time and work into that creative. Tay Conte gets the win, and it's good. And I know I keep using the word endearing, but she's one of those people... Um, you know, I think a lot of people would go to Daniel Bryan first for a reference like this. She's one of those people that you genuinely feel good when she... You might not even be a fan of her. There's people out there that aren't a fan of Tay Conte. They want to see, you know, XYZ person pushed ahead of her. But they would still acknowledge the, the types of things that I'm trying to say right now. You feel her win as a win for everybody. Now... That's all up to interpretation. That's all, you know, subjective and all that sort of thing. Please put it down in the box below. If, if you guys think I'm completely off my rocker about Tay Conte and her being potentially the first uh, TBS, I know they're pushing Jade Cargill, and I know that Ruby Soho is a top runner for that mid-card title, which is sad because she should still be on Britt Baker's level, but we don't need to talk about that right now. But, yeah, if you think I'm totally out to lunch, just... Tell me down in the box below. Tell me what you think of her. Tell me what you think of the pairing of her and Anna Jay. Seeing as the title that was introduced by uh, by Tony Khan, Tony Schiavone, and Aubrey Edwards just recently was not a tag team championship, but yet they're starting to put tag teams together. Bobby Fish versus Lee Moriarty. Again, this is another example of what I was talking about a second ago. Never seen Lee Moriarty before. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna guess that either he's a local guy or he's somebody that spent a lot of time on Dark and Dark Elevation. And no, I'm not using that as a pun before people decide to freak out. Um, but uh, big Jack dude, big jacked athletic dude. I like his entrance. The the luchador mask with the with the headphones over it is is a choice. Uh, other than that, really good showcase for Bobby Fish. My attention then turns to Bobby Fish, uh, as it did for Tay Conte in the first match. Uh, really, really happy to see Bobby Fish in singles action. I think I mentioned this when he debuted, but we saw Bobby Fish, and Bobby Fish got to show what he could do in NXT. I was not familiar with any of these guys, any of the Undisputed Era, who I would who I would put up there with any other faction that's debuted in the past little while. Yes, including the Bullet Club and including the Super Elite. Um, I didn't know any of them because obviously I didn't. Wa I don't watch ROH. I don't watch the stuff in New Japan, etc. So um, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong. I didn't didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue until they came to NXT. But that's just me. You guys, you guys know where my attention lies. But we saw. Roderick Strong as a singles guy before he joined the Undisputed Era. We saw Adam Cole obviously being the the hood ornament of that of that um, group, and 
both inside and once the group disbanded, we've seen Kyle O'Reilly go on quite a tear, not necessarily in the direction that I would have chosen, but as far as showing what he can do as a singles guy. Um, but Bobby Fish was one the one out of the whole group that was always in a team. It was like Fish and Strong, or Fish and Cole, or Fish and O'Reilly, for the most part, who I think were Red Dragon in ROH. Somebody correct me down in the box below if I'm wrong. Um... So the interesting part about me is not only that they have Bobby Fish in AEW and Bobby Fish is there in the same place as Adam Cole and oh my god, are they going to touch on that at some point? It's just the fact that I get to see Bobby Fish as a singles guy. Um, Exploder, Suplex, and a Knockout Kick gets the win for Fish. And yeah. Um, Lee Moriarty on the other side of the coin, like I say, big jack dude. Seems to have a fuck ton of energy. Uh, if there is something that I'm missing, if there's people out there that are watching Dark and Dark Elevation, which I'm not, you guys know the deal by now, the running joke is, I don't believe a wrestling company should give you homework. So, if this is a guy that I need to keep an eye on, put it down in the box below, let me know. Let me know. Do the do the thing like uh, Guapo did when, uh, when I first asked him who Ember Moon was, and he's like, oh, this is girl Athena, she does a stunner from the top rope. I'm like, cool, I'm sold. You know what else I'm sold on? Suzuki and Danielson kicking the shit out of themselves for 30 minutes straight. Now, the conversation going into this match was that it was a dream match. And yes, I know that that's true for a lot of people. Now, once again, you have to see it from, from my context, my point of view. I, have, I don't have any connection to the stuff that goes on in New Japan. So if you ask me about dream matches, I'm not going to pick Danielson versus Suzuki because I'm, I'm just getting to know. Sorry, the hat's doing funny things. Don't even worry about it. Um... I don't know enough about Suzuki to be like, oh, here's my top five guys I'd love Suzuki to fight, because I don't, I, I, I just don't. But they're crazy, and they kick the shit out of each other, and AEW ballsed up and put this on YouTube, and I think that was, I mean, ballsed up in a good way, like Tony Khan took his dick out and put it on the table and said, hey, this is what we're putting on the pre-show. Imagine how good the actual show is going to be. And I think that's a really ballsy move. And they, they did an hour-long show on YouTube, and half of it was this match. Um, the fact that this match went on so long and then ended so quickly with uh, Daniel Bryan flying knee was just, you know, 50,000 miles an hour in a locomotive, and then you hit the side of a mountain because nobody finished the track. Like, it was that kind of thing. These are guys, at least in the context of the match as I'm watching it, there's a certain kind of match where there's just guys that love kicking the shit out of each other and getting the shit kicked out of themselves in a match. I I am loath to compare it to, like, Sheamus and Cesaro, and then they eventually became the bar and all that kind of thing. But just towards the end, when they were trading shots and trading uh, elbows, and uh, Suzuki, I'm, I'm guessing that, that stiff... Uh, forearm crossface shot that he does is considered like his special or his like pre-finisher or whatever when he hit Daniel Bryan with I think the first two times he went down and sold it like it was death the third time he took it and popped back up um I've used this comparison before uh, I don't know if it'll hit with a lot of people because it's an older movie but if you've ever seen the original Brandon Lee Crow movie um there's a fight that he gets in sort of midway through the movie where the guy is hitting him and hitting him and hitting him and then he catches him once in the face and his head snaps right back. Like, the response to getting punched is looking the guy right back in the eye again. This was the Daniel Bryan fire up after that second or third forearm shot. And I thought it was really, really good. And when they were, they, they were just leaning into each other at one point, 
and they had this Godzilla and Kong moment, sorry for all the movie references, where they weren't even hitting each other anymore. They were just forehead to forehead screaming in each other's face. And it's the violent respect that the, the they showed between the two of them throughout the match. The match was crazy. The match could have been on a pay-per-view. The match could have main-evented a dynamite. And like I say, they ballsed up, you know, threw their dick on the table, whatever expression you want to use, and put this on the YouTube pre-show of their late-night Friday night show. I think that's fantastic. I do. I, um... Do I think that this entire pre-show was put together to spite the half-hour overrun of SmackDown? Yes. Did I enjoy it? Yes. Uh, the rest of it, like I say, the rest of the pre-show, before I get into Rampage itself, not going to set the world on fire. Like I say, we've got Tanera Conte, we're putting a focus on her. Santana uh, Garrett, unfortunately, is just here to be the other body in the ring for that. Ditto for Bobby Fish versus Lee Moriarty. Kind of a bummer that those two scenarios backed right onto each other, and it made it all a little bit more obvious. But it is what it is. Uh, Santana Garrett will be getting a focus eventually, I'm sure, especially if she is using that last chancery, because that's such a nice move. And I'd like to see somebody that's not a psychopath using it. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Let's talk about Rampage. Rampage started off, and this is what I've said, especially because I think the main event was a dumpster fire. Spoiler alert. Rampage continues to put their main event on first. Punk versus Matt Seidel. Now, this is a storytelling match. This is an awesome storytelling match. This is a layered story match. How many stories do we have going on at once right now? You've got... Punk's, Punk's ongoing issues with Team Taz. Now, put a bookmark in that. I want to set aside something for a second. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Taz. I liked him on commentary in WWE. I like him on commentary in AEW. I like him as a manager in AEW. I liked him when he used to have a morning show. He hasn't quite fully gotten... Because he has to be the heel manager and the commentator guy. There's always a little bit of a dissonance between him being an asshole and him being like an objective commentator guy and him even trying to do that in a punk match while he was commentating on a punk match it didn't work especially when Ricky Starks is sitting right next to him also on commentary and probably gonna be punks like final boss opponent as far as dealing with Team Taz so that was a little bit of a a little bit of a thing. The other story we got going on here is this uh, this new Leo Rush development, which is interesting. They did a video package beforehand, and uh, the story now is that Leo Rush has sat under the learning tree of Tony Khan to learn how to be a businessman, to learn how to manipulate things and make things work for him and all that kind of thing. So he is he has already recruited Dante Martin who you guys know how I feel about Dante Martin, that's fine. But Dante Martin has also been tag-teaming with Matt Seidel, so he's scouting Matt Seidel. So his way of scouting Matt Seidel was going and petitioning Tony Khan to get Matt Seidel a match with CM Punk. Now, that's an interesting story, but I also don't care. Just tell me Matt Seidel is facing CM Punk, and I'm there. Um... I wish it was just a matter, like, if Leo Rush was going to manage somebody, just just let Leo Rush manage Matt Seidel. Dante Martin can fuck off. Oh, yes. The third story is the CM Punk story. And I love this 
because it's lending some credence to something that I said when Punk was in WWE. When he left WWE, it was the biggest thing that I hit over the head when uh, when I talked about what a bummer it was and what a big loss it was for WWE. And it's something I said every single time I got laughed at for saying, hey, maybe this time the rumors are actually true. Maybe this time CM Punk's actually coming back to wrestle. And that is that CM Punk is the Swiss Army wrestler. I, I used to phrase it as CM Punk is the next Shawn Michaels, and then I have to stop myself and clarify, I don't think they're anything alike. I think they are alike in the fact that they are Swiss Army wrestlers. Uh, in both cases, you can put them in any match, they will morph to any scenario, you can have a brawl. You can have a technical match, you can have a high-flying match, you can have a plunder brawl, you can have a stipulation, you can have a submission match, you can basically do whatever. You can be a booed heel, you can be a cheered babyface, you can be a cheered heel, you can be a booed babyface, you can be the ever-elusive tweener. You can do anything. Swiss Army wrestler. So, what has CM Punk done since he's come to, w to, wow, to WWE, to AEW? He's had Dar Darby Allen who, taking nothing away from his wrestling, but that was the, who's one of the most popular names in the company, that's who That's who I want to debut against and whatever. Now, that's probably not why CM Punk chose him. CM Punk probably sees him and says, here's a great fucking talent, this is a guy that I want to wrestle. But for, for the reference that I'm going to make here, you have the star match, which is like... If I can use an example... Um, WrestleMania, I don't remember what year it was, but you had... Cena and Rock on the card, and you had Punk and Jericho on the card. You had your wrestling match, and you had your star match. Though that's the that's it's it's the old like wrestler versus superstar, and and what determines each one uh, type of idea. So he had his he had his star match with Darby Allen, and then he had his power match with uh, with Powerhouse Hobbs, ironically enough. And then he had his technical grappling submission style match with Daniel Garcia, who's incredibly underrated, by the way. And now he's going up in the pace, high flyer, with somebody like a, like a Matt Seidel. And all the while, has a sort of an ongoing story with Team Taz. But they're pushing on commentary that right now he's still in the sort of the honeymoon phase of just being happy to be back embraced by wrestling and eventually eventually a bigger feud will find him and I think that's an awesome story because in the meantime before he finds himself a big feud because I don't think Team Taz is the big feud he can just go out there and pull a different blade out of his Swiss Army knife every night and be like alright I'm gonna have a brawl tonight I'm gonna have a no DQ match tonight I'm gonna have a submission match I'm gonna have an Iron match with Iron Man match with that guy you know Fan, fan out all the blades of the Swiss Army knife because I'm going to beat this metaphor into the ground. I think that's a fucking amazing story. Uh, one of the things that was particularly brutal was um, right at the point in the match where they were starting to talk about Matt Seidel uh, getting more reps in and Punk's only had three matches since he's been back and is he winded and whatever, on the apron, hits him with a full power slam on the apron, spine first, and Seidel, to his credit, sold like a flailing rag doll. It was really, really good. Seidel gets a near fall, in tight air quotes, off the lightning spiral after the commentators had just finished talking about how nobody kicks out of the lightning spiral and GTS gets the obvious win for Punk. GTS was hit off of countering a attempted crucifix roll-up, which was a really, really... 
nice little thing. And what I like about this as well, right? And you can, you can always say that, oh, isn't it great that the legends come back and help the young kids? I don't want to refer to Matt Seidel as one of the young kids. I don't really want to, even though Daniel Garcia, I think, is one of the young kids, and Powerhouse Obs, I think, is one of the young kids. I don't want to refer to them like that. But it's kind of cool to me. And again, I might be a little bit crazy. Tell me down in the box below if I've lost my damn mind. I think it's kind of cool that Punk has come in and he's not the main event. He's not in a title picture. He's not... He's just in one of the matches on the card. And I think that helps AEW because just one of the random matches on the card for our show this evening that we're presenting to you, that we're trying to promote to you, happens to have CM Punk in it. Like, that's... Again, it's that reverse psychology of, okay, this is just a random match in the middle of the card. If that has CM Punk in it, what's the main event going to look like? Now, regardless of what the main event is actually going to be, apparently he's facing Wardlow at full gear. Don't know what that's going to look like. But, um... Uh, I think we're going to get some weird tag stuff. MJF, Wardlow, uh, Punk, and, and Darby Allen. I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here to see what it looks like, but it is what it is. Now we go back to the pattern that I was talking about before. Ruby Soho versus the Bunny. I like the Bunny. The Bunny's there to get beaten. Let's be real. It's a showcase for Ruby. And, sh and she's another one that's just genuinely like Tay Conte, like CM Punk in a very, very different way. She just looks so goddamn happy to be there. And yes, I'm aware of how mushy I sound and how, like, friggin', like, faint I sound when I say that. But it's just, when, I've, I always say it, when the people that are entertaining you, you, when you can tell that they're having fun, you're going to enjoy the match more. Ruby Soho is enjoying the match more. She's in the discussion right now as well for this TBS championship. And... Not to put down any of the other women that are going to be in that running. I think she is somebody that could come in and sort of come in at the top and stay there. That's just that's just me. She gets the win off a backslide, off a counter into a backslide. So we got a lot of counter, uh, got a lot of counter uh, methods of, of victory this evening. If I was Simon Miller, I would say the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. But I'm not Simon Miller. I don't nearly have the accent, and that dude's like twice as big as me. So let's not do that. Post match assault by the Bunny and uh, Penelope Ford. We get the brass knucks and. And Ruby Soho eats the Nucks, like, hard, and then eats the ground hard. So I'm going to guess that we're getting Penelope Ford versus Ruby Soho at some point soon. Um, I don't want them to just ra randomly find a friend for Ruby Soho so that they can have a bunch of tag matches, because then you're going to get what we got with... Uh, why can't I think? Anna Jay and Tay Conte, where it's just, okay, this person faces this person, and then we switch. This person faces this person, and then we'll have a tag match, and then we'll have a couple more singles matches. Don't do that. Get her... She's got her win over the one of them. The other one took a cheap shot. Get, let her get the win over the other one, and then get on into the tournament. Apparently, next Friday, we're getting the brackets announced for the, uh, for the TBS championship. Apparently, tomorrow night, we're getting the... Uh, the AEW Championship Eliminator brackets revealed as well. So, WWE has King of the Ring and Queen's Crown. Uh, AEW has the TBS tournament and the Eliminator for the number one contendership to the AEW Championship. See, it's all equal. It's all... E no, it's not. 
<laughs> it's just not. Inner Circle versus the Men of the Year and Junior Dos Santos. This was shit, boys and girls. And that's really sad because there's a, so many people in this match that I like. Jericho is great. Sammy Guevara, our brand new TNT champion. And let me say as a side note, they're introducing this TBS championship. Whenever I'm assuming that the finals of this tournament are going to be at full gear, Sammy Guevara, I'm assuming, is still going to be the TNT champion by then. Have him be part of the presentation to the first TBS championship, especially if it's a babyface that wins. I think that would be, there would be some nice cool consistency there, and that's just a nice thing you could do. Um, Jericho's awesome. Sammy Guevara's, like, on the form of his life. Hager, Hager serves his purpose, and that sounds like a backhanded compliment, but he is. He just comes in there, and he's the, he's the big hoss for the team. And then on the other side of the coin, you got the men of the year. Scorpio Sky, enough said, and I'm, I like Ethan Page just because he's wacky, I guess. Um... Dan Lambert and all the MMA shit, I couldn't, I couldn't give a fuck. Obviously, they have to touch on the fact that Hager also does MMA, so they had him square off with Junior Dos Santos on the outside of the ring and put him through a table, because that's definitely an MMA thing to do. My stream died, it came back, I found out, or I gathered from what was going on in the ring that the men of the year and the American top team had gotten the victory, they had like a... I don't know, what is it, like a six-on-three beatdown the save was made by Santana and Ortiz, and I really don't want this to turn into, like, the next big, like, five-on-five, ten-on-ten match, because I don't want to watch a bunch of MMA fighters that I don't give a shit about doing wrestling stuff. I mean, Jericho's Jericho. You have to do cool shit with him while he's there, because he's going to go off and do other things, and do Fozzie stuff, and do whatever whatever the hell else he does. You just put your mid-card championship on Sammy Guevara. Please don't waste him in this MMA crap. And, I mean, again, this is one of those things that comes down to me. I'm saying it's crap because I don't care about MMA. I'm not an MMA guy. I The last MMA thing that I watched was, just out of curiosity, Punk's first... Uh, televised fight, uh, and then, you know, we don't really need to talk about that, um, but it's because of, of my fandom of him as a pro wrestler, and it's just, hey, there's this guy that I like, why don't I, like, when they said, uh, you know, like, people like Batista and Bobby Lashley and all that had tried different, like, lower tier MMA stuff, I'm like, I don't care, like, if they come back to wrestle, I'll care. Um, is it a kind of interesting story if Lashley faces uh, Lesnar eventually with that little bit of a connection? I guess the Cain Velasquez thing fell out its own ass. Um, this was a fail. This was a gigantic fail. I wouldn't have minded so much if it wasn't the end of the show. Flip this and the Punk Seidel match and just have Punk Seidel because it was the best thing of the night. I, I only say that before people freak out. It's not me dunking on the Suzuki Danielson thing, but as I say, I don't have, as a fan, I don't have an attachment to Suzuki. Danielson's great. Suzuki and Danielson had a hell of a match and killed each other, and both of their chests are fucking hamburger. I get it. The respect is there, but I've, I've watched Matt Seidel wrestle, like, forever. I watched Matt Seidel take on John Morrison at the second or third last Destiny show that I was at, check it off your Spaz Phoenix bucket list, it's fine. It was a pure comedy match. They were wrestling over Timbits. It was great. Um, CM Punk is obviously CM Punk, but 
don't don't have this be the main event because honestly, I could have watched Punk and Seidel and gone to bed. <laughs> I don't know, which sucks because like the pre-show was better than this, and that's just that's just my opinion. Like I say, I hate to say that because there's so many people involved in this last segment that I like that I wish were doing much 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 better things. It's a really real downer note to end off the show, but like I say, saw the ladies doing a, doing a few different things. We got a really really crazy pre-show match with, with uh, Danielson and Suzuki, and we know that part of the reason he left WWE is because he wanted to do stuff with people from Japan, so that's cool to see. Um, people like Ruby Soho, Bobby Fish, Tay Conte all getting their all getting their push forward. It's all good. Uh, I wish I was more awake, and I know that's becoming my anthem recently. Um, I need co-hosts. Hopefully get a, I get Jake back next week. We're going to talk about some silly WWE stuff that's silly. So uh, we'll get a good laugh out of that. And I don't know. I will be honest with you guys right now. Dynamite is tomorrow night. I don't know if you're getting a review from me or not. I'm just putting that on the table right now. If we don't, I'll, I'll touch on it sometime next week and you guys can let me know what you think and tell me that I need to sleep more or get more co-hosts or something. I'm done talking because I'm about to go pass out right over there. I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I'm tagging out. Bye, guys.